Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast exploring reproductive technology and life-changing stories. Here are your hosts, Jennifer White and Ellen Trackman. Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast where we explore all things assisted reproductive technology. And Jen, we're starting with our, our second year of podcasting, which has been really exciting. Oh, I forgot to introduce myself. I'm Ellen Trackman, here with my co-host, Jennifer White. And um, to celebrate our completion of our first year going into our second year, I want to, to hear about your, your goals and dreams. Jen, if you could have anyone on the podcast as a guest, who would that be? I, I'm going to point out under duress that I have been embargoed <laughs> for saying who my actual favorite is. Oh, but sorry, it did make me. I know it did make. Well, me, I'll just answer um, first. Analyze. How about I'll okay? Just, yeah, no, you answer. You so, answer first because this talk is actually my true dream. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was saying that I would be really excited if uh, Michelle Obama wanted to come on. You know, she uh, fairly recently released a book where she talks about how she underwent IVF to to have her children, and she struggled with infertility. And of course, she's just such an uh, an amazing public figure and speaker that it would be um, a dream to have her on. And I know you requested. <laughs> I will admit I did send a press request and I did try. And unfortunately I got back a, basically a, a very polite, but uh, you're too small. We aren't going to do that. Yeah. Which is surprising because, you know, you know, Michelle and I aren't really best friends, but we did work for the same firm back in the day. So before I ran what? my own law firm, I worked for this big international firm called Sidley Austin. And although I was in the San Francisco office, she was in, the Chicago office, and maybe we actually might not have overlapped in time either, but I know we definitely worked at the same <laughs> firm, maybe different offices, different times. And I know she met uh, Barack Obama working at Sidley Austin, where I spent seven, oh, see, seven years I, of my life. I totally should have put that in my press request. Like, <laughs> right? also you're, my co host. Practically the same firm. and therefore. Right? Right. Two degrees of separation, right? Yes. Not even uh, six. <laughs> uh, but no, so the question did make me think, like, about, you know, who would be an interesting guest or who I would really love to talk to. And I, it kind of made me come up with like a class of things. Like we talked about, not class, I mean, but so when we talked to Corlando Scott, I've ever since then, I've been really fascinated oh, at the idea more, of more movie stars. Is that <laughs> not necessarily talking to the celebrities mm. themselves about but more like the impact celebrities on the who are lawyers? No. Okay. Yes. Celebrity lawyers, that. art law attorneys. <laughs> right. Okay, no, but I was, mm. I was interested in things like I, I, I go for long walks in the morning and I was thinking about this this morning as I was walking, but it was like, you know, like, okay, so when Sarah Jessica Parker had her surrogate, it was a different world, you know, because like it was the tabloids as opposed to like internet always on culture that we have now. And it would be very interesting to talk to her versus, I mean, Kim Kardashian and the always on culture now that is there. So just as a compare and contrast, not necessarily that I, you know, I mean, of course, I would love to talk to either of them about their full story, but but it's more the compare and contrast on that. And then on the other side, the surrogate as well is I would love to talk to a surrogate who has been through a high profile surrogacy. I mean, obviously protect their privacy and things like that. But, you know, just to hear what their experience was and how different it was from a regular, you know, like just having to protect your own privacy and things like that. You know, so I, that, that was what kind of popped up to me is that that would be very fascinating. And 
probably very difficult to track down, quite honestly. But, <laughs> but open know. invite out there to um, to celebrities and, and right anybody. Like, anyone, anyone come with, on, like, give a me a call. Interesting story. I think it's um, just so amazing to share with others, and um, other people can really really benefit from hearing what what you've been through. Absolutely, and we today's story is completely different than I think a lot of them. And I think we were both a little stunned to hear that this really was a, a thing that has happened to people. Um, so it'll be, I'm, I'm very excited to talk to Dawn. She's an agency owner and has talked to, is talking to us today about her experience as to um, uh, some unique experiences she had. We are here today with Dawn Baker, uh, the founder and director of U.S. Surrogacy LLC. Welcome, Dawn. Thank you for having me. We're so honored that you join us. Um, given all of your vast experience helping change lives, um, we we are excited to, to learn about you and to pick your brain and to specifically talk about some of these um, kind of bizarre, but amazing, I don't know, a good, ha- luckily happy endings, but kind of unusual stories that you've had to be a part of to to really go to lengths to to get families together. Um, but let's start kind of, um, tell us about yourself. Well, I am a mother of three children. My baby is 19. So I. <laughs> that happens, I hear. <laughs> yeah. <it's not> happening. <laughs> uh, but I'm filled with babies uh, every day, all the days in my life. So I'm, I'm having a good time with that. And I get to enjoy all the little babies and then send them home, which I can't do with my <laughs> So, oh. So, Dawn, what brought you to this field? Uh, well, I um, it's been about five years now, and I started really um, with a smaller agency just as a startup investor. And after, you know, it didn't take very long into that process when I realized how much I love this um, this business and the the help that we can provide to so many people. And I just really developed a passion for that. Um, and so I started working um, working at the agency as well, and not just um, you know on the business side. And for my own self, um, I was about five years struggling with secondary infertility. And so I thought uh, it was a good, a good fit for me because my partner at the time could um, understand the surrogate side as a former surrogate. And I had um, great compassion for the parents who were struggling with this. Um, I, I worked with that agency for about a year and then um, branched out on my own. And so I've been running my own agency for about four years, excuse me, a little over four years. And uh, we're growing and having a great time and uh, absolutely feel um, immense passion for the help that we provide. I always laugh. Oh, what did you think you would do when you were a child? I feel like this is not a thing anyone ever imagined. Not on my radar. No, actually. So I spent about 15 years in the, in the legal field, uh, working as a legal secretary and then a paralegal. And then I, I had my kids and I started um, doing some real estate and flipping houses um, locally when they were little to, to pass the time and, and have an income. And, um, you know, really where I thought I'd stay my whole life would be in the legal field in some way. Um, but, you know, every day I look around and I think, how is this my amazing life? And I wouldn't want it any other way. I can't imagine not being in this position to meet so many people really from, from around the world. And so my life is definitely not what I thought it would be, but <laughs> in a good way, people. hopefully. Right. I, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. So it's totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> still working on that. 
I am. I, I am. I haven't grown up. I refuse to do that. Well, I know what you do for this industry as well. And I will say that I think you've also found your calling. So you're grown up. Uh, I I do love what I'm doing. I may just may not be grown up yet. That's all. (laughs) I that none of us actually grow up all the way because that's what makes life fun and interesting. I'm pretty sure our parents are still confused about what we do. I I can't imagine (laughs) what when people ask them, they're like, oh, oh." well, there's a a whole list of derogatory things that. That, yeah. they can, that they can they can put on that, okay. but once you really have a look into yeah. this, into this, uh, you you see those those terms fall away quickly. Yeah. Right, absolutely. So, so let's dive in because you have some really <laughs> incredible stories to tell. I've had quite a year in the baby department for sure. You you had you definitely have had an interesting year this last year is what it <laughs> comes down to. So, so let's start with the first. First one, you, you had a, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to softball kind of like just throw it right at you here. So you had a international set of intended parents that came to you and asked for your assistance. So <laughs> let's go from there. So I had some uh, lovely couple that we were working with and they had an older child of their own, uh, which is not uncommon in their country. And uh, we had a surrogacy journey with them and they were matched, um, thankfully, with a beautiful surrogate who... Uh, really had an open mind and um, kind of took this interesting journey with us last year. And what that ended in is uh, them attempting several times to obtain their international travel visa into the United States and being denied up until the time of the baby's birth. And so at that time, the surrogate delivered and the parents weren't able to be here. And it was really crushing for them. you know, that's the moment people, people do this for sometimes that the moment where the surrogate can deliver this baby for the parents. And, and they, they, they were baby. planning to be here. For oh, the absolutely. Birth of child. Absolutely. And, um, and, the and they've been here before. So, I mean, they must've come out for, for testing and to have yeah. embryos. Yeah. They had been here before and, um, you know, working with the clinic on that side long before their, their surrogacy side of the journey started. Um, the mother herself had gone through her own IVF prior to that. So we weren't expecting it to be an issue for them to come. But at the time of the delivery, they weren't here. And so uh, they had been denied uh, twice already by that time. And um, Do they give reasons for denial? Do they say why? They do give reasons for denial, which I actually required to have a copy of directly um, from the U.S. Embassy in their country because I really wanted to verify that was the reason. It was important to me that they had done all they could to be here. Um, in time. Sure. And the reason in this case is that um, even though they had a teenage child still in school in their country, um, and both of them had good jobs and close relatives there, um, our embassy kept saying it's not enough. And we, we the, don't feel it's that a risk that they would stay. Yeah, that they would come here for the baby and end up staying in the United States and not return home. And that was the the denial given um, in the official denial letter from the embassy there. So that's what we were facing. Was this new? Had you heard of this happening before? Like, did you have any idea to like warn them that this could happen or this is just a shock? (laughs) Yeah. No, actually, it really wasn't on my radar as something that was happening um, for any other agencies 
though now in hindsight, I see that, um, you know, as people are willing to share a little bit more about their experiences, sure. I'm finding that, you know, I, I'm not the isolated case that this has, this has happened before. Right. And I think um, it's, it's so important. I, I mean, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing this because I think people have no idea that this risk is a reality, that this could happen to you. This could happen to someone until they, yeah. they hear about it happening to others. And it was heartbreaking for the parents. They made every effort, every time they went to apply for, um, you know, their their visa to come here, they had to travel, they had to fly. So it was a greater expense for them and a greater effort for them. And they really did try to get here, which is important for me to say, because I'm not supportive of um, agencies in our industry. Of this being a tourism thing, right. Correct. Yeah. Offering as a, a pre-offered service for, fun, for, for a fee. Right. So I just want to bring that up. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. That did, this was a really just a effort. horrible situation. Yeah. Right. We don't just like deliver your child to you in your country. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. Right. Um, but, how, did, how did the gestational carrier yeah. feel? I mean, she must also have been upset that they weren't there. Yeah. No, she, she was sad and upset's a pretty general term. And I wouldn't have described her as upset. I, I describe, I would describe her as she was sad and she, she really felt for the parents. Her heart really went out to them because um, this intended mother and their surrogate had quite a close relationship that they had been able to develop um, just, you know, through technology. And so they were looking forward to that time together and being able to meet um, ahead of time and, and have that moment together. And so she uh, graciously was more concerned about, about the mother than about herself, which speaks a lot to her, uh, her makeup kind of person she is. And she's actually fine. We, um, we offered for her. Okay. So just to go back, go backwards a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So at the time of delivery, we knew they wouldn't be here. Um, we had hoped that they would be able to come shortly after once we provided the birth certificate with their names on it. Um, but no. So, um, when the surrogate went into labor, I actually went to the, to the hospital, um, and stayed instead of the mother and father and uh, stayed in the hospital with the surrogate. And then post-delivery, I had a room with the baby and, and cared for the baby until we were released after 24 wow. hours. Was she local to um, you or did you have to travel to? I traveled, I traveled, but she was, you know, obviously delivered locally. So I traveled to her and I went in as soon as we knew she was, she was delivering. I, it was a short trip. So that was good. At least I had a quick flight and got yeah. there. And um, the hospital was extremely kind and accommodating under the circumstances. Wow. Okay. Um, That's good. Yeah. They were, they were completely on board with what, whatever we needed. Um, And of course I had a legal power of attorney and all of that. So they didn't, they didn't have to bend any rules, but they were, they were kind about it and didn't give us, you know, a difficult time in any way. So did you, sorry, as the lawyer, right. Um, did you get that early or do you, once like, it looked like they weren't going to be here. Is that when you guys? Yes. Yes. So they had named guardians, um, in the legal contract. Mm -hmm. Um, but also not in this country. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. That doesn't help. That didn't really help. Um, and so once we knew they were denied the second time, when we got the second denial letter, at that time, we immediately did the power of attorney in, in anticipation that, that they would try again and still possibly be denied, which is what happened. So, And uh, I assume it, it wasn't an option for some, their guardian to come out or anyone else to get a visa to come 
be with them. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so we, we tried that route and as, as circumstance had it, um, their guardian named in the legal contract was actually uh, the intended mother's brother. Um, but at that time, that brother and his wife also had a surrogate expecting with my agency. It was wow. a genetic issue. Yeah. Wow. They had a, a familial genetic issue is why they, they needed surrogates. And so um, her brother also had a surrogate and she was due within a couple months of that. And so the risk there would have been that he and his wife came to get this baby and to be here for that and then would not be able to come back for their own child's birth. Wow. Yeah. No, that would, that would be a concern. Yeah. And were they, yeah. I mean, did they, were they able to make it for their child's birth? Is that happening? They did. That I mean, exactly as we expected. They came, they came, uh, they were here two weeks prior to the delivery. They had a, a great opportunity to spend time with their surrogate uh, prior to delivery, which is what we always like to see happen. And then a smooth transition home. They obtained their travel documents and went home, you know, soon after the, the way it's supposed to be, the way it's expected right. to be. Yes. Yes. Oh, it was without a just exactly how we want it to happen. Yeah. Um, but his sister, you know, this intended mother wasn't quite, quite as lucky. So, right. so I went to the okay. hospital and took care of the baby and then we got the birth certificate and I brought the baby home to my house. Wow. Uh, wow. I was say, and you have grown children. So this is like a big yeah. shock, right? <laughs> Surprise guys. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, it's uh, a brand newborn like that is really different from, you know, from raising a, a young adult chi- uh, child or children had been a lot of years and I have a big family. So I have had, you know, vast experience. I think I have like 19 nieces and nephews or something, but, um, it's really not the same as, as, you know, the sleepless nights and all of that. All my nieces and nephews went home with their parents after a get together. Yeah. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> so did, he, did, go home. did you have the stuff or did your family just kind of swoop in with um, like I, cribs? I, I and, of, uh, yeah. I rallied the troops in every way. Uh, some of my staff have young children and still had some of their things. And, um, you know, I have, like I said, a lot of, in fact, um, my niece was born just within a few days of this baby. So, um, uh, we kind of shared, shared supplies and, and my family was very supportive as was my staff. So they were a great help. Um, but we had him for 10 weeks. That's a long time. Wow. It was a long time. And, and, you know, we needed that time to get the documentation done and get everything in place. And also his parents tried a third time with the birth certificate in hand to be able to come and we're still denied. So at that point we started rethinking our plan of action, which realizing then that they weren't going to come, but that we were going to have to take the baby to them. And that really sunk in. Um, Had you, had you been to China before? I had been to China a few times for work. Okay. So that wasn't daunting for me. (laughs) At least that wasn't the first time. I That's just, right. And for me, I think the first time going to a new country with a baby, that would have freaked me out. Yeah. No. No. And I flew into the airport that I'd been into already several times. And I actually have um, some some great friends and people that I work with there too, and uh, who, who met us there and brought the parents. Um, so, so I'll talk about what that was like. First, I just want to say that um, it was a long and daunting process to get the paperwork in order to take this. That was what I was going to ask is, oh, I assume this was just super easy, right? No, no, of course not. not, And I don't recommend it. If there's any possible way to avoid this, 
it's completely necessary to do everything within your power because we went three times to the to the consulate. Um, and they to, denied you the first two, or what, what happened? No, they didn't deny us. But you know, I've done this many, many times with this packet of documents that are required, but okay. always have the parents here. Yeah, right. So it's been, it's been fairly simple to do this, but in this case, the parents weren't here. Um, I'm not uh, that nationality. I'm the stranger in that in that office, right? And they don't know me. And so now they're being asked to trust me that this child, I have the authority to take this child home and get this child's paperwork in order. And really they did what should have been done, which is the correct thing, which is question me and question me and request more documents and more proof. And what so else, really, what did they, what did they request of you? I mean, it sounds like you have to start being creative about what kind of documents they want from you. Um, yeah. What, what they were looking for really is more and more proof from the parents mm-hmm. that they were in fact the parents. Yeah. And so uh, just at which example, point they're like, yes, we would love to fly over and pick up our baby. Of course, this consulate had no control over that right. because it was the U.S. embassy that was um, right. denying. So this was their own, this was their own consulate. Um, so just as an example, the parents submitted some signed paperwork to me. And then, um, after the first visit, one of the paper pieces of paperwork requested also was going to require their original signature. So we had that done. We're sending signatures back and forth and thank goodness for the mini computer iPhone, which, you know, is all we had with us at the, at the consulate. But, and they sent me these other documents. I ran next door to this place and printed them. And when I got back to turn them in, um, they had an issue with the signature. The signatures didn't look identical. They looked similar, but they didn't look identical. And that's because now the mother's signing in duress. Right. At two o'clock in the morning, her time, you know, and, and so they didn't look identical. And so they they didn't deny it, but they said, no, these aren't identical. They need to resign. And so I had to send her a screenshot of her original paperwork signature so that she could then sign this new paper exactly the same. And they didn't want like a, an e-notary or something that's looking at Absolutely. her ID? No, they they knew actually I was communicating in real time with the parents. Yeah. They could see that I was communicating in real time with them and that seemed okay. But, you know, really the, the point of that is it took me three long trips. Um, and by oh. the way, you take the baby. Right. <laughs> I was saying, right. with a baby uh, in tow. Yeah. Three long trips with a newborn in tow uh, to the consulate to try to work out the paperwork. And I had to work directly with the consular that's over that, that office. And he wasn't very happy. So oh. it was a long road and, and I could, see how, yeah. And I could see how we could have easily been denied that document. And we would have been in a, in a, in a lot different more world to hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Different world to hurt because then what are, what are we doing? And while I did love this little guy, such a sweet little thing, um, I was not interested in, in having him long-term and his mother was beside herself, um, trying to get her, get, you know, literally get her hands on him. She couldn't wait. And um, right. So it was not and- an easy process and it was a high risk. I I assume, I mean, you obviously were communicating with her and she was getting to see the baby to the best of your ability and things like that. You were, you were doing a lot to mitigate as as best you could her her emotional pain. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So we spent a lot of videos. We did a lot of uh, live streaming and, um, 
and try to you know give her all of those updates that you can provide about all the little things that happen in those first 10 weeks. You know, there's a lot of development happening there and you miss the first smile and you miss kind of the first little bits of cooing and all of those things that we take for granted as new parents and she was missing those things. So we tried to bring her in as much as possible. And thankfully we still have a close relationship with her um, now, as does the surrogate. So um, throughout this whole process, we've been on a, a group chat. Uh, we do videos and everything there, and we have always been inclusive of that surrogate. Um, so she feels very connected still to, to everything. And we had actually asked her if she wanted to go with me to China. Sorry. To, we all know it's China anyway. I already said it, so sorry. But also, spoiler alert, yeah. that means you actually got the documents, right? Yeah. I did. I got the documents, and we actually um, asked her if she would like to go with me. So I said, well, you've delivered the baby, and now would you like to actually deliver the baby? Yeah. Oh, um, right. <laughs> And she really did want to, but, you know, she's a, a young mother with children of her own and she runs a small home business and um, it's very, you know, it was very short notice. And so she wasn't able to go, but we have worked hard um, to keep her included. And it, we offered her counseling services and anything that we thought that she might need to, to have peace and still be so connected and, and really proud of what she was able to do. And, and I think that we achieved that. Well, and the timing of the approval was lousy just for everyone too. So, I mean, oh, just yeah. let people know when, what day was the, uh, did you actually receive your documents? Uh, we received our documents. I think it was December 22nd or 23rd. And um, I could have left the next day, but I also have a family. And so I did what I thought was a healthy thing. And we waited a few more days. And um, the morning of the 26th, uh, we flew with the baby to China. Wow. The day after and was it you alone or did anyone come with you to find uh, No, I took one of my great coordinators with me and, you know, um, bless her heart. She'd only been working with, uh, for me for about a month. Oh, surprise. Oh. You get a trip to China. Yay. Welcome. Yeah. And I, I had other staff I could have taken, but um, she had the, this particular gal had the most uh, home support to be able to leave her children. And, um, and so, yeah, she, we ripped off the bandaid and she got on a flight with me. And off we went and we were there for four days and we came home on New Year's and uh, all was well that ends well, but really it's a cautionary tell that we really need to do our best to make sure that what is in place will work if at all possible. And I know there's a new development recently. So in our case, it was the visa uh, application um, being denied several times, but we also are starting to see somebody that actually has a travel visa for the United States. And then as they're getting ready to leave the country, they're told that, that, that it's not valid or that they can't go. And that's not something that can be, you know, foreseen. Right. That's exactly right. How was that so moment about, when you uh, got to China? I was going to say, tell you, us yeah. about the actually bringing the baby back. Yeah. It was, it was, um, I, I've seen, I've been in and seen some births and things like that. And, it, and um, it's all fantastic and beautiful in every way. But there is no experience that I have had, and I'll try not to get choked up about it, but there is no experience that I have had um, more fantastic than seeing this mother look upon her baby for the first time. 
and I couldn't get him to her. So we come out of customs and at this particular airport, I'd been there before, so I already knew, but when you come out of customs, there's a huge kind of plexiglass wall that separates you from the population that's there waiting for their, their guests. And so you have to walk down along this walled corridor and I'm 5'10", so this wall is maybe just not quite a foot higher than me, several inches higher than me, but for this little Chinese family on the other side, it might as well have been a thousand feet high. And they're following me down the plexiglass wall. So we're walking, we have our luggage, we have a baby, and we're walking down this see-through, see-through wall, and she's literally got her, you know, face up against the glass following us down this wall. And at one point, I just couldn't take it anymore, and so... um my my coordinator that was with me was holding him and I just turned and took him out of her arms and lifted him up over the wall to the mom because I, wow. I couldn't take it one more second. I was coming oh. out of my skin. And that was a, <laughs> a security violation right there. <laughs> <laughs> but at that point I didn't, I didn't even care. I, I, just, oh. I had to get him to her. And so that was a really fun moment. And they all kind of laughed because I'm sure that's not something that they would be so brazen as to do, but you know, I'm just going to be the giant, the giant lady and and, and hand this baby over the the wall, but it was fantastic. And then we spent um, a few days together um, staying near each other in the same hotel. And, um, you know, to the mother's credit, she really did put her baby before herself in that she wanted to stay nearby in case he had trouble um, with any kind of bonding or adjusting that I'd be available to help calm him, which thankfully wasn't necessary. Um, you know, we worked for a couple of days and really transferred that bond over. And I think that, um, that it was smooth at that point. Yeah. And I was really struck when we, um, when we spoke before this about some of the steps that you took um, about, you know, not sitting next directly next to them as much as possible and trying to speak as little as possible so that he had a chance to hear his mother's voice instead of your voice, which I thought were really incredible touches and really thoughtful of things that you did during that process. Yeah. I I think that it was such a rare circumstance that, um, and I had the benefit of having some, some counsel, um, how to do that to be able to help him bond and learn how to bond in the best way while also sort of protecting myself and my staff that was helping with him um, from, you know, any kind of aftermath as far as unhealthy bonding might go. And then um, the tools that we needed to do when we got there to kind of transfer that over to the mother. And, and we're grateful that it was, it was never a problem from the first day, but you can't rely on that. And so that's why I just don't, I don't recommend, I don't recommend it, even though it was a beautiful moment. um, It had, the potential to be really hurtful and harmful to a lot of people. Mm. Are and you're you still guys, in touch with them? Yeah, right? I was going to ask that too. Oh, all the time. As a matter of fact, um, sometimes we wake up in the morning and we'll have, because um, we're on, the, on this group. And so we wake up in the morning and we'll have a bunch of videos or photos um, from the family um, sharing, sharing his little life with us. And the surrogates on there with us as well, as is my staff who helped care for him. And so we, we get to have that opportunity to, to see the videos and pictures and watch all the changes. And he's such a big boy. And when and he runs, he runs around now. And, uh, and we, we care about those things because we loved him yeah. for, for 10 weeks. <laughs> how were the how were those 10 weeks was he in daycare during the day or were you bringing him to the no. office is that 
Oh, I need to send you a couple of photos. Ah, of we would love that. <laughs> we love that. Yeah. Great. And my staff as well, just cradling them in our arms with our fingers reached out to the keyboard uh, <laughs> on, our, on our computers at the office. But um, we, we did, we, um, I didn't have them in any kind of childcare. I was actually really concerned about having them out of my sight for the most part. So one of my staff members who has a big support system, her parents live with her and um, she's got little ones of her own. She had him um, and would watch him every now and then. And so, um, so her parents, his little American grandparents um, helped a lot with him. Um, So that was great. And then the rest of the time we had him with us at the office pretty much daily um, ex- you know, staring at him, <laughs> waiting to make sure with every breath that he was okay. Every staff yeah. meeting, he was there every, <laughs> contributing. No, he, was, he was our little mascot for a while. So um, I could not, and it's the same thing with the surrogate. I'd been asked, why didn't the surrogate, you know, would the surrogate have been willing to have him? And I would never have asked that of a surrogate in the first place. Um, and not just for her emotional um, health, but not even that because maybe she'd be more than willing and also very happy to do it without any kind of damage. But I would never ask even one of my coordinators um, to take the baby home and be put in that position of liability. That was my choice and my decision to help in this way and therefore my liability only. I mean, it's lucky that everyone was on the same page and friendly and, you know, working towards the same goal because that is a scary situation to be in. Yeah. So that was, um, so that was New Year's. I was going to say, happy ending. Yeah. Okay. Happy New Year. What happened next in your year? So that's the only time it's happened, right? This is so rare. Please tell me it's never happened again since then. At that time, I thought to myself, and actually my entire staff, so really not to myself, we all said, wow, that needs to be the only time that ever happens. And, and then we started trying to put safeguards in place, which is sometimes an effort in futility. Yeah. Because, what what kind of safeguards did you try to put in place? Because there's just so much out of your control in terms of consulates and visas. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, really all that we could do is just to do what we'd already been doing, which is making sure that a guardian is named in the legal contract from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And a, get local, a local guardian to take um, care of the child. No. Negative. Because most of the time, there's no local guardian here unless we're going to hire some third-party professional. Um, there's not going terrifying. to be someone. Yeah, also. And actually, I would rather do that myself than have you know this baby placed into the hands of a complete stranger that I can't even vouch for. Right, but what if um, it happened to multiple? I mean, knock on wood, this doesn't happen, right? But you're like taking care of three or four or five babies. It's just you. like. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be a thing. Right. Um, maybe but, companies that are trying to do that as a business model, which is really terrible. not okay. Yeah. Um, you know, they'll be facing something like that. But so what we do is we make sure they have a guardian in place that also already has their visa and has a plan in place of when they can come. And I think most of the time we will see if this is a, a recurring thing, which I hope it's not. I hope we can all join together and, and try to find ways to prevent it. But um, if it's something that recurs, what I hope is that the person named as the guardian is able to come. I think in most cases that will be the uh, the situation. I think in this case, it was rare in that they had a, a surrogate already ready to deliver. So uh, we have not seen that come up again where there's been siblings with surrogates at the same time like that. So 
um, I don't think that, I think that was really quite rare. And if that did come up again, then we would require them to have a different guardian named. Uh, At the time we thought, sure, that's no problem. Um, You know, but I think that it's important to make sure that that guardian knows their role in advance and also what will be expected um, of them as far as timelines and how long they would need to plan to be out of their country. So we do that and we're, uh, we're more careful with that to make sure that those guardians are informed and participating willingly um, and knowing what, what might happen. And then the other thing that we've done since then um, is just to ask for um, verified proof of a travel visa. Uh, prior to embryo transfer. Which is good, except we're in the situation where we've seen Mm -hmm. now where people are starting to be denied at the entry. Right. And so that's, um, that is a new development that's just recently come to my attention that, and I actually think it's quite recent uh, as far as uh, relationships between the countries and things like that, that are causing this to be a, a, a recent issue. So as far as I know, there's been nothing identified yet that will help in that situation. Um, you know, for, for our case, this particular case, it was different. We, we knew ahead of time and were able to have the time that we needed for the power of attorney. So I might also suggest that, um, that other agencies make sure that there is a, um, a usable, effective, and very thorough power of attorney in place for somebody, whether it's the agency owner or the attorney or whomever the decision is made that will be responsible for that that child if for some reason the parents are denied entry at the last minute. And I'm sure Ellen could speak more to that um, as she goes forward, you know, how to address that and what language needs to be in there. But I will say that our power of attorney at that point had a bit of trouble um, in the beginning just because it didn't specifically state out, um, you know, what would be needed as far as a birth certificate, a passport, and the travel document, um, any travel documents necessary for the infant to travel. And it was, it was a, a pretty specific um, power of attorney, actually, but it, it was required um, through this process at one point, I think it was a passport stage, is that it literally had to specifically list the word passport. So not just so all all attorneys out there get get the word passport in your power of attorney. (laughs) And I mean, the sad part is most for attorneys, our contracts, like our language often evolves from, you know, all these bad scenarios are like it has happened to someone. And that's now why we include this language. So so I, I mean, I think at least your misfortune hopefully helps educate others to have more specific language and to at least smooth things over and in that sense. Well, um, and, so and agreement as well. So for surrogacy agencies, um, they need to lock down their agency agreement to cover something like this too. Because there was a great expense involved, you know, for, for my agency. And luckily the parents were so appreciative and knowing that these expenses needed to be paid and were, were um, generous in doing so, so that we could, you know, uh, pay all the fees and everything required for all of the travel and all of the documentation but you may run up against some clients who are upset uh, greatly that they were denied entry and um, you know, maybe some bitterness about the process or something like that, where they're not as open to being able to uh, reimburse the, the provider, whether the agency, the attorney or whomever for this extra work that needs to be done. So with these safeguards and that one time it's never happened to you again, right? Oh, that's a beautiful t- uh, story you're telling yourself. 
So this particular, that was my last, um, my, my last trip to China with babe in arms, thankfully. That's but, good. Right. So that, that specific situation didn't happen again. Right. <laughs> so, but yes, but, um, so it was like a month later, not even a month oh, wow. uh, that we found ourselves um, in a different situation and for different reasons, mm-hmm. but uh, nonetheless, uh, still new babies at my house. And this time I say babies. <gasps> oh. so, so the second time around, um, we had twins deliver, I think they were 33 weeks. Uh, in the same state as this other surrogate, by the way. So I was going back there again. And um, they came at 33 weeks. And in this case, the intended parents had um, already applied for their visa and had preliminary acceptance. Um, But the parents were living in the Congo at the time. So they weren't even in their own home country. They were there for work. And so because of the early delivery, had everything gone uh, you know, the famous words, if it went as planned, <laughs> it, it may not have been uh, an issue, but because the babies came so early, um, he had not received the physical uh, visa and um, final approval of the visa. So we weren't concerned at that time that, that he wouldn't get the visa. Um, just that the timing was, was not great. And so the babies came early. No, that that we thought. Oh well, he may not make the birth, but he'll, you know, he'll be in flight or something like that, which does happen sometimes. They're midair, you know, when their baby comes. But in this case, the delivery was quite early, and we had to wait weeks for him to be able. I think it was couldn't get his visa. I think it took four weeks after they were released, so that'd be a total of eight or nine weeks um, waiting to actually get the the final the final visa for him. And so, um, I, again, traveled, the babies had already been in the NICU. They were born January 7th and I went to pick them up on February 7th. Oh, and, and you had just gotten back from I, China December 31st. <laughs> yeah. It's been, it's been about a month, it's been about a month that, that, you know, life was returning to normal around home and office. And so at that point we were a little, a little shook up and also with it being two of them and also premature, very teeny tiny little cutie pies. And so, um, I took another staff member and, and we went to go get these little ones, uh, same paperwork in hand as, as we had vast experience now at that point, (laughs) (laughs) paperwork and, uh, you know, the help of some good, good attorneys, which I think, um, you know, really good industry experienced attorneys are essential uh, for agencies to have on their side uh, through through a standard basic simple process and let alone in these cases. So so we went there with an overnight bag and I think I had maybe one change of clothes. I'm always packing too heavy. So I thought I'm going to pack light as did the person who went with me. She and I went uh, with no change of clothes really except for to put on the next day when we came home. And the little, the little baby girl had a, a little bit of a respiratory uh, problem on the very last day. And so they just wanted to watch her for a few days, but of course it was a long weekend. And so we ended up having to stay there for about four days, four full days. So we hit target and got all the essentials (laughs) (laughs) that we needed and extended our hotel stay. And then we went every day and sat with the babies. And that's what I think people need to really know too, is that, um, the hospital is not in charge of caring for your child when there's not a medical need. And it's a misconception for some parents that agencies need to make sure that they 
they discuss in the very beginning with their first consultation with these parents is that our hospitals aren't the same as they used to be. You know, when I had my children, they took my baby away to the nursery and brought it to me to feed. And then I slept. And that, you know, now we have rooming in and active parenting happening. And that is also required of our of our uh, parents during their, you know, from their surrogacy delivery. So, um, so my staff and I went every day to the hospital. Yeah. And, and actually, uh, Don, on that point, I feel like new hospitals are being built. It's very common to not have a nursery anymore. That they just have a nursery where they just plan on rooming yeah. in with the yeah. with the parents. Yeah. And also when the parent isn't there, they're looking at, uh, you know, maybe your baby's in the level three NICU and a level three NICU bill comes with that. And they may just bill it down to level one, but it's definitely not nursery care. And so it's a big expense and there's no financial savings at all for any parent to delay coming um, on time. Um, because I've then heard numbers as high as 10,000 a day for a NICU. Absolutely. And that's with a level one care, no, no medical intervention, just, you know, feeding and monitoring. So it's, it's painful in that way and no benefit, yeah, no financial benefit at all to the parents to consider that as even being a viable option. So anyway, so we went and we took care of the babies every day, which was a lot of fun. And also, again, the hospital there was very accommodating, um, did not give us a hard time about coming in and out. And, um, you know, allowed us full access to the babies to help take care of them. So we did that for a few days and then we brought the babies again home to my home. <laughs> you yeah. must have a very understanding family. They're like, wait, again? What? <laughs> right? Two this time? <laughs> what? Yeah. My my family also thinks that that what we do as a company and what all companies like mine and yours do is pretty mind blowing amazing. So I, I had the support there. My daughter um, loves these little babies Aww. and she, she was, um, yeah, she was, well, over the holidays for the first little guy, she was home. So she did a, she did a lot of help for me there. And then with the twins, um, she also helped when she was, when she was home. So um, between my staff and my family and, um, you know, the, the flexibility that we have to, you know, own, own my own company and bring the babies to work every day, uh, was huge. So I get, I got to make that call and then my team had to get on board. And so again, we weren't as productive in the office as, as we normally would be, but, but we got it done and we, we watched them like a hawk. Um, and it sounds like your team was really, really supportive and very helpful through all of that too. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we, we held, you know, we took turns holding them and watching them. And, um, you know, my, my same staff member that was able to take the first baby sometimes, um, she would take home the little baby girl and grandma and grandpa and she and her large family would help as much as possible with that. So, uh, but during the day in the office, we had them together. We thought that it was important for them to spend their, at least spend their days together. So they did, they, um, they enjoyed a beautiful reclining, rocking office chair. <laughs> they were very tiny. Um, and so they would sit next to us, snuggled up together in the office chair next to ours. And, um, and we did that for, I think we had like five weeks. The twins? Yeah. Do you have pictures of that? Oh, that sounds so cute. Well, seven weeks. We do. We have pictures and videos of them. 
Yeah, they were they were good assistants. They were they did their job uh, responsibly and they helped matching. And, and very they helped with matching. <laughs> right. We would say, and what do you two think about this match? Do you think it's a good fit? Uh, and they would just coo. If they started crying, you're like, no, no, that's not a fit. That's not a fit. So we did that, yeah. So I was thinking it was around five weeks, but you know, um, as most people who care for a baby, their memory sometimes fails sure. them. And so my staff actually is uh, just reminded me it was about oh, seven wow. weeks that we had those twins. And and the whole time he's being the parents being denied. Just waiting, not denied. He was never denied. He was just waiting. And so because of the holiday season and how many applications had been requested for travel visas over the holiday season. Um, it was, you know, severely delayed, but he did get his visa and on the next flight out, he was here. So, um, yeah, they, they came and we were really grateful and it was, it's really something cause you know, twins by their nature anyway, right. Are a lot to, to look at. And, um, yeah, he got in and uh, we didn't waste any time. And so he, uh, he and I joke still about this is that, um, you know, he, he went by Uber from the airport to his hotel because he got in at almost midnight or something. And we had the babies, so we're not coming out at that time. And so he got in. And so first thing the next morning, I think it was maybe 8.15 or something the next morning, we said, we're going to come and pick you up and we're going to go do all the, the documents, a DNA test, for example, and all of the other things that need to be handled. Um, apostille at the secretary of state, you know, all of these kinds of things. So in this case, we didn't have to do the documents in advance, which was great. Um, but, uh, we picked him up and he met us in the hotel lobby as we stood there with his babies and he, yeah. (laughs) And we sat him down in a chair and we one at a time introduced him to his children and, (laughs) and his eyes were like saucers. (laughs) They were so big. Like, these are my children. Yes. These are your children. And, and uh, it was a great, it was a great day, but he didn't realize how teeny tiny, you know, they're bundled and bottled. And it was winter, so they're covered. And then he, you know, slowly unwrapped them and saw their little. We'd sent him videos and all of that, so he'd seen it before. But it's just not the same as when you unwrap your your child and you're you're looking at their little tiny self. And so that was a good day. But you know, we had the benefit of having him there with us to go through the document process, and we went with them to the consulate to help him get the travel documents. And after that, after he arrived, everything was quite smooth. Um, but he was sad and he missed those moments. And to be honest, it was terrifying because they were very, very tiny. And the little girl continued to have some, a uh, little bit of respiratory issues. Just, um, she had a lot of, um, a lot of mucus material that we had to keep clearing, you know, and things like that. But, um, you know, it had happy ending as did the first but it was a lot of work and it was a lot of risk and I would never want to see anyone else in that risk. And the underlying problem of all of it was that you had parents separated from their babies. Oh, um, yeah. Right. Right. So I don't recommend it. (laughs) No, no, I don't think any of us recommend that being an intentional situation. I do think these, all these intended parents are very lucky to have, um, someone like you who is the owner of this company that is matching, but you know, normally you don't think of it as also going so far above and beyond 
and you really did kind of taking in these babies and having a whole team to love and care for them and to work really hard to keep them connected to their parents until they could get there. Yeah. Yeah. It, it became, um, you know, it was really a matter of, and this is what everybody will face. It's a matter of who do you want to involve? If not you, who? And in our case, my answer was nobody else. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't rely on anybody else. And so outside of anything to do with what we do for our jobs and for our work, it was the human thing to do. And that, that's the only option I felt I had. That's, that's, I think that's what it really comes down to. It was the, the correct human decision to do that. So you, you Don, are right? an incredible human being. And I, your family is I, incredible. I, 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 I know you personally. I, I know you personally. I, I, you know, like, I'm like, you are just an incredible, huge heart. I mean, like, so I'm always, I'm, I'm so thankful that you are willing to share the story of how, how, how incredibly generous and caring you are about everybody you deal with. So we really, we appreciate that you came on and are willing to share this. Do you, do you have any final parting advice, especially for either intended parents who are coming internationally or agencies dealing with whichever way you want to go? Um, You know, really it's just what I've already said, which is that um, these are the parents' babies. And no matter what help we provide, Uh, We need to make sure that we put this baby and these parents and our surrogates that trust us above anything else and certainly above profit or above convenience for business purposes. And so I just really implore everyone to really think about that and do all they can in advance to prevent this from being something that's recurring. And I know we all have the very best intentions. And so there are some things that we can do um, to help preventative well, we're hopeful that this, these were uh, that these were extreme and cases, and never again that this won't these happen. These are outliers. Yeah, I'm sure everyone's thankful that there are wonderful people out you like you to to yeah. make it as smooth as possible when this happens. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, we're knocking on all the wood, and we do see that this is something, and and we can also uh, keep an eye on w- what our own government's doing, um, and make sure that we're fully informed about all of that and participate in stopping those problems right. in any way that we and can. And of course, shout out to attorneys for helping with the legal part so and, and to, and to target, yes. shout out to target for clothing when you're in a different city. You know, I, I guess I will go so far to say as um, that the state where we were in for both of those cases was phenomenal in their flexibility. And those are great hospitals. So know your hospitals as well. I'll put that out there. And, and my final word is just know all the components ahead of time. So you, you can line all the best professionals up, including the hospital. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Don, so much. We really thank appreciate you. it. So much fun, and thank you for all that you do, and for your for your podcast, and for sharing this information, so we can all learn and improve. Appreciate it. With our lesson of the day, I, I think again, Don does a great job, kind of explaining why why that you should be planning ahead and um, thinking through that this scenario can happen. And I think it's amazing that you know, as an attorney, our contracts are so much like here's 20 worst case scenarios we're planning for, and we all think, oh, it's so unlikely. But this is just kind of another one that actually, of course, it is unlikely to happen. But you, everyone needs to know, especially if you're an international couple or you're working with an international couple as a surrogate, that 
these things seem to be happening more often and you should be mentally and legally and everything else preparing yourself for that that scenario what what the plan is having a right. plan b when and you, a plan c i say you can't know what's going to go wrong until it goes wrong it, it, it's kind of like the um the reason why all the cups say you know caution contents are hot now because you know every day there's a new thing that suddenly is like this is why legal contracts are 40 50 pages long because Every time somebody has something go wrong, they have to put a new contingency in there, right? <sighs> yeah, no, it's tough. But I appreciate her willingness to come on here. And I agree with her assessment that this should, you know, hopefully with some pre-planning, these things won't continue to happen as much. I feel like I want to do your segue right there. Where like, what? Do this it. is tough. But you know what's not tough is leaving a review and liking what? us. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. Let me go ahead. <laughs> no, no, it's not you- hard. You can go on iTunes and like us and subscribe and leave a review. And we really appreciate it. And that is that is not tough. That's something easy to do. Are you going to do the, to are you gonna do the phone number for- too? Oh, I don't think I remember it. You'll have to do it. Oh, okay. Okay, and call us. The number is... 303-997-1903. I'm so proud of you for for taking that on and taking on my stupid puns. I love it. (laughs) And I'm proud of all of our listeners who do go ahead and and like us or leave a review. Yes. And also Chris, of course, at Work at Bird Studios, who makes us sound amazing. And actually, I would say I'd be remiss if we didn't thank our team behind us as well. You know, that we there there's it's not just us who are over here doing these things like there's a team who, you know, has to do all of the, the promo stuff and get things actually uploaded to the right sites on the internet that I don't understand how all of that works you know so we really I I know Lindsay and Amanda work in the background really hard for us so I just want to make sure we we uh, we always thank them for the incredible work they're doing so but thank you for listening 